Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, aliens, psychics, religion, new age, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, holistic health, philosophy, and even dating. Some shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and discoveries, while other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up what spirituality in today's modern world really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. Become a Patreon supporter to get access to behind the scenes of our guests, freebies, early access to new episodes, discounts on merch, and more. Hello and welcome to another week of spiritual shit. I am so happy to be with you and I am just in awe of the response that we got from last week's episode. I was so fucking nervous to do that episode because I was so afraid that opening up that side of myself and putting myself in that kind of position was just, it's a super vulnerable position to be in. Uh, those of you who didn't listen to it, I did a channeling episode last week and asked you if that's something I should do more of. And you guys with a resounding gong said yes. And so thank you so much for um, giving me that feedback, but two, just giving me space to be authentically who I am. I've been super scared to open myself up, not open myself up because I do it with me all the time, but to open myself up to you in a way that says, this is where I'm getting my information from. A lot of the podcasts that um, I'm doing, especially the ones by myself, I'm usually channeling. There's a lot of wisdom that comes through somehow, and I'm like, I don't, I don't think I'm that wise, but there is just such um, an abundance of information that I want to bring to the table. And so when I made that conscious decision of this is something I want to start talking about, and this is something I want to kind of start putting in the forefront, the response was insane. And so I want to just put this out there that it is my intention that I will always bring information in the most authentic, ethical way possible because it was it's never been my desire to be one of those people who gets up on stage and people ask questions and then I go into my little place and I ask, you know, the guides and I'm there to perform for you. I don't see myself doing that. And, you know, some for some people that's their calling. It's not for me. And the reason that is is because I don't feel in a lot of ways it's the most responsible way that I can get you the information. Because at some point, then it becomes about me getting the information and not something that it's not the most, the best way to make it most accessible for everybody to be able to figure out how to do that themselves. And so I don't want to be the performer. Um, I'll be the speaker, but I won't be the performer. And I won't be someone who makes myself the only channel for that particular information. It is my belief that everybody can attain that information. And I want to, instead of be the person that does it all the time, I want to teach you how. And so I hope that that's something that comes in the future. I know that I've been trying some stuff out with our mystery school participants, and I've been telling them about all the wild synchronicities I've been having with this particular entity, Erasmus. And they've been telling me a lot of things recently, and I think that there's something something really groundbreaking that's happening there. And I think that they, they may, that may come out in the form of a book. So I'm putting that out there for uh, to manifest for myself. So exciting things about, you know, not playing small. I did get a channel yesterday that was not 
from Erasmus. It was from someone else. And I, I don't know, I, they seem more like an earthly guide because they were really sassy and very direct. And I felt very much like I was being scolded. <laughs> and they told me to stop playing small and that this was actually something that I need to also tell, talk to my audience about because there are so many ways in which we step out in imposter syndrome and we don't allow ourselves to be the fullest embodiment of what we can be because we're so afraid of being seen and being the most grand person that we can be. And so I find this super interesting because I've just been in a lot of ways trying really hard to play small. And in, in the effort of saying that, like, I'm, I'm not trying to be a guru, or I'm not trying to be this, or I'm not trying to be that. And, and the guides have scolded me and said, yeah, but you're also trying to be a nobody, basically. And <laughs> they didn't say it like that, but kind of. So I got the point. I got the message. I'll be talking about that later this week on my Thursday episode for Patreon. And so um, if you want to be in that community, uh, I feel a bit more safe. It's a more intimate community to express those things. Um, go to patreon.com slash the lovely Aaliyah. And uh, just to get some announcements out of the way, this month we're having a card reading slash channeled message instead of a workshop. And that will be on April 3rd at 10 a.m. CST. And if you're in mystery school or a $10 membership uh, member, then you have access to that as well. So anyway, I hope to see you there. If not, no big deal. I'm super happy. Uh, if you're part of my community anyway, I'm super happy if you're here. And uh, I just, I really hope that this week you kind of take to heart what I mean about stop playing small. If there's something out there that you really want to do and something you really want to conquer, if there's a certain amount of money you want to make or a job you want to do or a job you want to quit or a family member you need to talk to or something you want to heal, that you take this moment to say, okay, I'm, I'm done playing small. We're not doing that this year. This is the time for me to show up fully as who I was meant to be. And I just, I hope that kind of hits you in the gut today the way it did me yesterday. So anyway, we're going to get into this episode. It is a challenging episode to listen to and not, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a super good way. We really confront a lot of really difficult topics around money. And I think that as spiritual people, we have a really hard time with money topics because we really want to help people or just societally, we've been taught that we're not supposed to be, you know, rich or whatever, or even if we've been, um, you know, victimized by capitalism or the patriarchy or whatever, there's always this sensitivity around money because money is something that we all can relate to that we have to use every day. And so it's, it's imperative that we have a decent or good relationship with it. And so AJ does a really good job. We're going to talk about that. And I'm really hopeful that that helps all of us become more abundant. So let's get into that episode right now. know that I wouldn't just put anyone on the podcast and in the same way I wouldn't have just anyone be a partner or a sponsor if I didn't believe in the products that they have. I want to introduce you to Anima Mundi Herbals if you haven't already been able to discover their amazing work. I've been currently using their Dream Sleep Tea and their Dream Elixir as well as their blue lotus tea and golden moon milk. And it has been a really wonderful ritual that I'll use at the end of the night to help 
encourage my dream state. Now, I haven't had any serious lucid dreams yet, but it's been something I've been working on for a while, and I feel like I'm getting closer. Since I've been using the teas, I've been able to have more potent, vivid dreams and being able to recall them even more so. And so I don't think it's any coincidence that Anima Mundi has become our first partner because I was already doing the work to help increase my dream life. And so I'm really excited about this brand because it's also female and BIPOC owned. And master herbalist Adriana Ayalas is from Costa Rica and they, are, and they are owned and operated in an FDA registered CGMP certified facility. They use eco-friendly packaging and recyclable glass or biodegradable bags. And the packaging is just beautiful anyway. It's made in the US with certified organic herbs wild and sustainably harvest plants in a vegan and gluten-free kitchen. The products contain zero fillers, binders, flow agents. They are pure botanical powders, teas, and beyond. And the apothecary has sustainably grown to contain over 200 different herbs from all over the world. Their project educates and supports true fair trade practices beyond organic farming, education, and small farmers to create remedies that benefit people from all walks of life. And I just really think that that's an amazing place to come from if you're going to to stand by a product, at least one that I'm standing by for sure. They have something called this happiness powder. It's an energizing, boosting herbal coughing that is caffeine-free and adaptogenic, which is something that I much rather have because I'm really caffeine sensitive. Their renowned happiness formula is also in a tonic, but is now available in a super powder. It contains key herbal allies that they like to call happy herbs because they do just that. They make us happy and elevated. And it's energized with the top herbs researched to increase a sense of peace and happiness, such as ashwagandha, rhodiola, mucuna, abesia, and St. John's wort. I don't know if I pronounce those right, but that's <laughs> that's what they are. They're combined with coffee-esque bases for grounding, and it's a super benefit for the liver and gut support. So I'm really excited about the new products that they have to offer, but more importantly, really excited to partner with them as their products have been changing the game in my dream life, for sure. Head over to animamundiherbals.com for more information. AJ Snyder is a business coach, business strategist, and money mindset expert. She's passionate about showing people that budgeting is the most radical form of self-care you can do. AJ started as a starving yogi who was always struggling to get by and formerly known as the poor friend in her Upper West Side dwellings in constant fear about her debt and struggling to pay her bills. While she was waiting for all her problems to go away with one big check, she figured out she was the answer she was looking for. By changing her mindset around debt, money management, and manifestation, AJ discovered beyond the material that she manifested the love of her life, her now husband, by using the magic of money to heal, that her relationship with money was the key to understanding her relationship with herself. Since then, she's helped hundreds of clients get out of debt and build wealth through personal accountability, vulnerability, and strategic financial planning. AJ teaches clients how to heal their relationship with money so they can show up in the world authentically and live in choice. At Beyond the Green Coaching, AJ helps you heal your relationship with money and become financially free, her signature program where they teach clients everything they need to know about understanding their values and creating personalized budgets to support their needs. AJ's mission is to help women who are never taught to care about personal finance, that feel completely overwhelmed and anxious and are in chronic stress when it comes to money, to get out of debt, increase wealth, gain financial freedom, and grow their independence so they can harness and use their innate power to take control over their destiny and build a brighter future for themselves. Please welcome AJ to the show.
Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Aaliyah Lovely, and today we are talking to AJ Snyder, a financial freedom coach, money mindset expert, and business strategist. How are you doing, honey? I'm doing so good. I'm so excited to talk to you because I've been listening to you the last few days in yeah. preparation for this, and I've been enjoying all the conversations so much. I'm so happy Thank to be you. here. Thank you so much. And I'm really excited. I'm glad you uh, sent me an email because the topic of money is just such a loaded topic for so many people. And especially when it comes to spirituality, those of us who have been raised in religion have a lot of really bad narratives and projections around money and have a hard time getting into a space where we feel worthy of having the money that we are, are asking for and deserving. And so before we get into that, we would love to hear about, you know, kind of like your background and what kind of turned you into this space to become passionate about something so many people hate talking about? <laughs> um, I love talking about things that people hate talking <laughs> about. Uh, so that's probably number one. But um, I, I guess I feel like compelled to go back like as far back as possible. And it's funny because um, when I was like 21 years old, I ran into an old friend, 22 years old. I ran into an old friend who I was like best friends with when I was like five. And she goes, you know, AJ, you know, like the song, biggie, 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 can't you see like more money? Yeah. That whole song. She's like, you once said to me at like five years old, like more money, more problems. She was like, you said that was true. And like at five, you Whoa. know, like, yeah, more money, more, I was like more money, more problems. It's true. <laughs> like, how did I know that at five? And I think that's the moment. Right. But then I had to go through like 27 years of like not figuring it out to figure it out um that that was true going back to five but essentially like I did everything wrong with money humanly possible when I was in my early 20s I decided to leave paying my taxes my student loans behind put everything in storage and go travel abroad for two and a half years I moved to Australia with 50 dollars in my bank account I highly don't recommend that. <laughs> um, that was really, but it was a total lesson in faith and in trusting and accepting love in a way that I had never experienced, but it was, I would never recommend anybody doing that. And then when I finally like was willing to face the music and come to reckoning of what I had done, it was, you know, $10,000 of credit card debt sitting in collections five years of unfiled taxes, unpaid student loans, unlooked at student loans for five years and starting to owe family debt. So I was in all the debts and I kept saying to myself, when I have $5,000 in my checking account or in my savings account, then I'll start to deal with the debt. When I have $10,000, then I'll start. And nothing was changing in my life. And I had this moment at like 27 years old where I was like, my grandparents are getting older and I'm not going to be able to go see them because I'm like, no, I can't afford to, because I don't have enough money to go visit my grandparents. Yeah. And like all my friends were starting to get married and I was still dating, like total, not the right guys for me. And I just realized I was like, I am waiting for this check of $70,000 to arrive in the mail to fix all my problems. Hey. Because that's what they say. If you do the work, I was a full-time yoga instructor. I meditated. I was in my body. I was all of the things. And I was just waiting for that thing to happen that was going to change my life. And, I, and it hit me that I was the thing that was going to happen that was going to change my life. <laughs> and it was the 
it was the, okay, what is in, what is available in front of me? Okay. I need to call my aunt who is good with money and ask her how to budget and ask her how to like call debt collectors and actually make a plan with them that works. And she kind of gave me the blueprints and the the foundation and I got to work and I was like, these are how many shifts I need to waitress. And these are how many yoga classes I need to teach. And I started saying no. And I started advocating for myself and setting boundaries with my friends. And I realized that how I was treating money was exactly how I was treating myself. I didn't love myself. I didn't respect myself and I didn't trust myself. And as I started to realize that I was like, oh, that is exactly what I'm attracting into my life, i.e. with men that I was dating. And I, at the moments that I was getting this all organized and getting my life together, I was dating this guy and he like broke my heart. I said to my friends, I was like, it was like 14 year old AJ getting her heart broken all over again. It was like so painful. And I came out of that in like a fog, like the world looked gray. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I am never doing that again. I am only hanging out with people one-on-one. I'm not going into any group settings and I'm surrounding myself around healthy relationships. And I realized that I was attracting people who didn't respect me, who didn't love me, who didn't trust me and vice versa. And as I started to heal my relationship with money and I started to stand up for myself and feel empowered, I started to say, "This I don't want this anymore. This is what I want. And I actually get really clear about that and be like, I'm worthy of more. And, you know, another really crazy thing that money brought in was around three months, four months into really doing this work, I quit smoking. I was smoking for nine years and it was just one day I was like, wait, I value my life more than dying. Hmm. And then two months after that and walks in my childhood crush, who also happens to budget and forecast for a living and (laughs) held my hand as I really dove in to what now I teach is like strategic financial planning. Mm. Well, I mean, you kind of said a handful there that there's a lot of things I want to touch on there (laughs) because we talk a lot about manifestation on the show. And we talk about a lot about what it means to be abundant and, and what you, you hit on there is the worthiness component that a lot of times our money life reflects the way that we treat ourselves. So something that you touched on and something that I think about in, in my own life is that there are areas where you know, finances, I'm, I'm very financially avoidant. I heard somebody on one of the shows that you were on say that. And I thought that's me. Like when it comes to things that are like taxes or, um, old, you know, bill things like that, not, not paying your normal bills. Like I can pay all my bills on time, that kind of thing, but that stuff, I'm like, the government can wait for my money. Uh, The government can give me reparations. You know, (laughs) there's like a lot of the like energy around that specifically that I have a hard time looking at because there's a part of me also that feels like I'm not worthy of the amount of money that I've been making or, you know, like the new influx and settling your taxes are higher. And so I've seen this relationship, not just with myself, but people in my family where they on purpose won't make more money because they're afraid of having to owe more taxes. Right. So like, it's like, I don't want to make above a certain amount. And that has plagued me for so much of my life. And so I see 
very energetically, not consciously, even any, even anymore, like very consciously, I'm like, okay, like I want to make this amount. I want to get this paid off, whatever, but essentially waiting for that $70,000 check, like you said, to come in or waiting for some opportunity or whatever, to finally wipe clean what it is that I've been waiting, you know, to pay off student loans, like the whole bit. And I think that that's, that's the hard part, right? Because when we are in that kind of mindset of like what, what's coming in versus what's coming out, what our fears are, what we can put away in savings versus, versus what our expenses are not looking at our account, not looking at what we, we are spending per month. I would be, there's a couple of times that I've done it, which I feel ashamed to say that it's only a couple, but I'll go through and really look at what I'm spending per month and go, yeah. damn, like if I had just, <laughs> you know, didn't eat out as much or didn't, you know, like, you know, things like that, I could have saved this amount and put that towards what it is that I needed to do. So anyway, I want to f- go into that, but first I want to, let's, this is a spiritual show. How does, you know, essentially money really affect our own spiritual life and the burdens that we kind of undertake that keep us from manifesting, you know, better things. That's a great question. <laughs> so one of the things you said, I think this will relate is you were like, I, that feeling of wiping everything clean. And I think there's a big part of the wellness world. I was in it for a long time, the yoga spiritual wellness world, where it's that feeling of like saging ourselves clean of detoxing, of releasing, of letting go. And it's gone forever. And I remember during my teacher training, I was doing it with two girls that were pretty much, we were exactly the same ages. And we went on a retreat for six days in the, in the training. And they were on like the high of all highs. They were like, I just figured out all of my negative core beliefs. I figured out all of my shit and I'm fixed. Like everything's better now. And I, for the first time in my life was like, so inward and was like, oh shit, it just began. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just conscious now and it's just beginning. And there is no such thing as a clean slate. Yeah. I mean, there just isn't. And I think what makes money so spiritual is that it's a daily reminder that you have to have a relationship with it. Like when old wounds resurface, which they always do. And you're like, Oh, Hey, old abandonment wound. Hey, old, like yesterday I was like, Oh, hi, neglect wound. I didn't know you were still there, but it's, I'm, I guess it's good to see you. You need to be heard. Okay. We're acknowledging you. We're seeing you money. I think why money can be so powerful as a spiritual tool is that you have to deal with it every day. Mm -hmm. And it's like in your face. And even if like now with the phone, it's a phone instead of physical money, it's like, you're still living in an apartment you're paying for. You still have a roof over your head. You're still having drinks. You're still eating food that costs money. And so I think that's why it can happen so quickly, you know, where the transformation can happen so quickly. Whereas like sometimes dealing with a wound can take years and years. Mm -hmm. But I think that's ultimately it's that it's never, there's never a point, no matter how much money you have, where you're like, I'm there and I'm clean and everything's done. Cause like all of a sudden, like my dog's going to need to go to the vet or my fridge is going to break down or, you know, we decide to move, you know, and there's always going to be readjustment with your finances. Yeah. There's, there's something so interesting about debt. And I heard on one of the podcasts that you had, and you didn't mention their names specifically, but there are some who preach very much so about like, you must get rid of everything, pinch your pennies, use a little envelope and put the money in and like, don't do anything fun for like 20 years. 
and till you get this stuff paid off. And I've heard of those, you know, and I've, and I've thought about it and I'm like, yeah, but it, that, that doesn't work for real life for a lot of people. And, um, I remember a few years back I had, I had just moved back from New York and I had been spending three grand a month on an apartment and like however much money on food per month, not even like fancy food, just regular food. Um, you know, just the, my expenses were super high and I came back to Kansas city and like, a you know, where I'm from uh, and I like the kind of a shell shock where I was like, <gasps> razors only cost $3 here. They're oh not God. $15, you know? <laughs> and, and I got in this like really amazing kind of space where I was like, Ooh, my expenses are really low right now. Let me pay off as much debt as I can. And I, I took care of $14,000 in tax debt and 5,000, no, $7,000 in my student loans. And I was like, yes, I'm on a, on a path. I'm in the way, you know, and I finally got enough money where I could get my own apartment. Cause I had to move back. The whole circumstance is a long story, but I had to move back pretty suddenly. And I, so I was staying with some friends. So I didn't have a rent to pay. And as soon as I moved into my new apartment, that stopped like yeah. the paying off the debt, the stuff. I was like, suddenly I have all these other expenses. I have to pay attention to, um, saving is really important to me. I need to have like a cushion in order to operate abundantly. Otherwise I'm in fear mode all the time, scarcity mode. Yeah. Um, so I need that little, you know, set aside. And, and when I was doing that, then I was like, well, my space needs to look a certain way. I'm very aesthetically, um, person. I I can't live in a space that like, actually me and my, uh, fiance were talking about this yesterday that like, I have this very sporadic, just anger when things aren't where they should be. And when my home doesn't look the way it needs to, or it's not completed yet, it's like I'm agitated. It's like this undercurrent agitation. So like, it was super important for me to do that in order for me to have peace and for me to energetically be in a place of balance. And once I got to that space and all that got completed over a month or two months time, the motivation to pay off the thing was no longer there because now I can't pay as much down. I don't get as much reward in seeing that thing go away. And then on top of that, I know for a lot of people, it's like, ah, like what I'm paying is not enough of a dent to, to make it, you know, to to stay motivational. Right. Mm -hmm. And so how would you say, how do, how do we look at debt in a different mindset where we can approach it in a way that's obviously beneficial for us to, to get rid of that debt? Cause like, I think that's why the clean slate theory is so attractive because it's like, if I just had $70,000, I could pay off this and I could be free, but the constant here's a little, you know, $10 here. Like that don't do shit for my, my consciousness and making me feel better about what it is that I owe. Yeah. 100%. I think the best example I can give is meditation, right? You know, it's, it's not like you meditate for 500 hours and then you're like a guru meditator. You're still going to have sessions where you want to, you know, go do something else and you're bored or you're scratching your foot And it's the same thing. It's just like small incremental steps, but it's the mindset, the way that I felt about debt, I felt it was like directly linked to my depression. It was directly linked to my self-worth. It was directly linked to all of these um, beliefs I had about myself, that I was a failure, that I wasn't good enough. And this is what I hear from my clients all the time that I am imprisoned. I am, I am shackled. I'm, I'm chained, burdened burdened by this debt. And if you actually create the plan and you can see the end result, even if it's not like sexy, it's like, it's going to take you 13 months to get out of this debt. It's going to take you 
two years to get out of this debt, but you can see the end date and at the same, same time, see your savings growing, retirement emergency fund, first line of defense checking account. If you see those things growing as well, then it's, it's like, it's like that with the, you know, it's like, I don't want to work out today. I don't want to move my body today, but like 80 year old me is really going to thank me. And you're like, oh, I can't think about 80 year old me. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do it where it's, where it's, I think if you have that end, end results and you're like, okay, my overall well-being will be better. I am not, I am not bogged down by this debt. I'm not burdened by this debt. It is just a part of my living. I think really, I guess three would be acceptance. Hmm. We have to, you know, the first step is we acknowledge, right? But then once we accept and we just accept my reality, I have student loan debt that I'm still paying off. I have a tax debt from 2012 I'm still paying off, but I don't feel any feelings towards it. It's just like, that's a bill I have to pay. Hmm. And I make sure that I have enough money to cover it. And if I don't, then I can't go do the extra things. Like it's that parenting a little bit of like, you can't have dessert if you didn't eat your vegetables. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Like I think for myself, like I, there are times where I'm like, Hmm, I can pay, you know, five grand towards, you know, the balance of this thing or whatever, or I, we can go on vacation and enjoy something. Cause I could die tomorrow. <laughs> That's like, um, which is, I mean, obviously I'm paying like large chunks of debt, um, things, you know, off here and there. Um, but there is this, this part of us that let's talk about fear. Yeah. Because there is a lot of fear around money, one for fear around making money, but two fear around owing money. And what you said earlier is this acceptance. I think I find that so interesting because I have very little acceptance for the debt in my life. Uh, because to me it symbolizes, and this is actually probably the first time I'm ever verbalizing this, but it symbolizes like a, almost like a failure. Like I didn't take care of something and very much. So I can see that as a pattern in my life when it comes to my body. Um, like you said that I love that example, like getting up in the morning, it's like, I'm dog tired. My kid was up for two hours last night. Do I need to sleep more? Or do I need to go move my body more? Uh, I'm going to opt for the sleep. Um, but thankfully we're like moving in our house around right now. So I got a lot of exercise today, but those, <laughs> those kinds of things where we're not making a choice to do something to nourish ourselves. Um, and we, and, and if that is the case, then we feel guilty about that. Yeah, and so yeah. that guilt shame is such a powerful suppressor of what we're like, our potential is because that shame of like, oh, I didn't pay this off. or I couldn't pay this off. I think that's a big one for a lot of people ego wise, even like, I'm not worthy enough because I couldn't take care of this thing. How do people combat that? Or what are even some, some spiritual practices that we can look at that can help us come to that level of acceptance? Because I know for me, like if I don't have acceptance for something, there's a lot of resistance yeah. and it makes it more difficult for me to actually achieve what it is that I'm desiring. Yeah. So I have the seven financial principles to financial freedom Ooh, and the First step is acknowledging. That's like, all right, we're opening up the bank accounts. We're opening up the bills, all of that. Number two, acceptance. We accept, okay, this is my reality. This is not, this is not like AJB79430 in, in, in her 18th dimension. This is <laughs> right now living my life. Three, forgiveness. We have to a lot of the work is forgiving ourselves. There are people and institutions we also have to forgive our parents for not teaching us. 
I always give this example. I'm like, your parents didn't teach you how to have sex and you figured it out. You know, like we got to own it. We got to own it. God, they didn't teach us that. I know. I know. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to teach you how to penetrate. Oh, you're not. I'm going to show you. (laughs) Nope. Okay. Not doing that. So once we acknowledge that we've been holding on to resentment, holding on to shame, holding on to blame, all of that. Once we forgive, then we can let go and then we can surrender and release and receive. But we can't do that until we're like, you know, one of my, so I always joke that my husband always says I'm a life coach, Max, as a budgeting coach. I think I'm a relationship coach, Mm -hmm. Max, as a budgeting coach. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because I truly believe that any relationship can be repaired. I believe any relationship can be repaired if the two parties are willing to do the work together. If you show up for your money, I I guarantee your money is going to show up for you. Mm -hmm. If you have an estranged a strained parent, or if you have a strained friend, if you're both willing to do the work, I truly believe that any relationship can be repaired, but you have to release any of the identities and beliefs that you had about those relationships beforehand. So you have to release the shame, the guilt, the blame, or you can't move in and you can't receive mm-hmm. what you're meant to receive. Yeah. And then after that, you get to just show up. And you get to show up as I am this new person. I know nothing about money. I know nothing about shame, guilt, blame, anything. I'm just going to show up and do the work. And that's when things start coming in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then that I think is like the encompassment of gratitude. It's like, I've gone through that whole arc of, I released my old identity. I've released my old beliefs so that I can step into the new possibility that I'm something other than who I was and I'm something new. And then I get to show up in the world that way and receive totally new energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, what about scarcity mindset? Because mm-hmm. we talk often, you know, a lot of times can people can look at their circumstances and go, this, this is the truth. These are the facts. This is how much money I have. And this is how much I owe. And, you know, not even talking about debt, just even day-to-day expenses, um, what they're able to invest in, what they able, what, what they even have access to. Right. Um, there is obviously like, in, in, in anybody's circumstance, um, there are, there are, it's a, it's a bit more nuanced than a lot of people talk about. Um, I heard you guys talk about privilege and access on one of the podcasts. And I was like, way to go for talking about that. Cause that's something a lot of people won't confront. Um, but not everybody has the same access when you said, uh, when your parents didn't teach you. And I, w- I remember sitting with a group of my, my non people of color friends and them all being like, yeah, when I took this money course, when my parents told me about my 401k and whatever, I'm like, what language are y'all talking about? Cause I had never heard about any of this stuff. And, um, and then to go step into my own culture and people, you know, brown people, black people or whatever, and us not have, you know, the tools or the access or the knowledge about some of those things. One, even if it wasn't passed down, but two, just access, right? Like those, those kinds of things. Um, it was, it was hard to then see, a way, like if you've never seen it in your family, if you've never seen it up close, like, um, when I was working as a photographer, I was stepping into lives of people who had a lot of money and it was only via my talent that, and I, I say that uh, loosely, but I was pretty good, you know, on my day. Um, but I said, it was only because of my talent that I was offered or invited into spaces that I would never have walked in before on my own volition. And so coming into, you know, country clubs and going, flying to Paris to, you know, shoot, whatever. I got to see 
and have access to the way other people lived and the way other people spent and the way other people, you know, what they had. And so my, my level, the bar, whoop, you know, went up as far as what I aspired to have in my life. And so being able to see something representation matters, but being able to see something and, and change how I was, what I thought was possible, it, it shifted what I was able to, to do in my own life. Like what I'm able to make now, what I'm able to, to give for my family, what I'm, what my, the house I was able to buy, things like that. So, so for people who are listening, if they are in the place where they're like, but this is my circumstance, this is what I'm looking at. This is what I have. Everybody talks about manif- manifestation and abundance, but like I got $5 an hour here or whatever. Like, how do you get beyond that in order to energetically call in more? How does your money show up for you? If you've never seen money like that before? Yeah. I, I'm really glad you brought that up because it, I, I, even though I had the belief, I'm the poor friend, I still grew up on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. I am still white woman living, you know, uh, you know, was raised by people who had lots of money, even though I didn't feel that I had it and then didn't have it in my twenties. And, and even though no parent was teaching me about a 401k, I literally didn't even, <laughs> I didn't know anything about retirement until I was like 27. I was like, I don't even know if that's a thing. Like what is that's a thing that yeah. people do. It was always around wealth was always around me. I always, I worked in fine dining restaurants. There was always wealth around me. So I knew it was available. And I, and I think about that often about, you don't know what you don't know. If you don't come from a world of anybody who, you know, I still have friends who like don't have credit cards because in their communities, like no one had credit cards. Like everybody paid cash for everything. Like they don't know what they don't know. They don't know the benefit of having a credit card. And I think Sky miles are wonderful. <laughs> they're amazing. I know I'm a very big proponent of using credit correctly and not being afraid of credit cards and not shaming yourself anymore for having debt and being like, we're moving on from that. You had debt. We're paying it off. You're going to go use your points. <laughs> Stop saving your points. We're going to go use them. In terms of scarcity mindset, this is a really good question because I, again, feel that so much of the wellness jargon out there is just think it, just wish it, just hope it, it will come. And that didn't serve me any good. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that if you use money as medicine and the work in front of you as medicine, and you say, this is what's in front of me, how do I just incrementally get to the next place? Because I think it's when we're wanting to be 10 years ahead of where we are, that can be so demoralizing to our, our soul. And if we could just say, I make $17 an hour, I make $7 an hour and I want to make $9 an hour. How do I make $9 an hour and showing up in the world? And I think about some of the most influential people I've ever met in my life. And it didn't matter if they had millions of dollars or were making minimum wage. It was the level of grace that they had with what they did. Hmm. Because I remember when I was 20 in my early twenties, waitressing, getting like $600 a night in cash, you know, going to the bar immediately and being like, so let's just talk about work for three hours versus like being in Australia, being as broke as broke as broke and having coworkers who worked at a potato. We literally worked in a potato restaurant. We made potatoes and we put toppings on potatoes and working with someone who she was a manager of potato place and had more grace than I did teaching yoga, doing the things that I love doing, making all that money. And I was like, none of that matters. It's how you show up 
and opportunities will present yourself. If you're showing up, I'm broke. I don't have this. I don't have enough. That's the energy you're putting out in the world. No one wants to be around that. Yeah. I heard you say on one of them, no one wants to be around desperate people. And (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you said it or if the girl, the interviewer said it, but that like people have enough with desperate people. So like, um, and I thought that was a really interesting comment, not for its crassness, because I'm all here for the controversial, but like, I think that what's interesting about desperate energy. So say you're like dating and you're in a situation where you're like, I'm ready to find a man and I'm ready for someone to put a ring on it so I can have a baby. And yep. you know, you come with that energy. No, you're not getting a second date. Like people yeah. can feel that energy where you have this kind of like ulterior motive of what, what it needs to happen. But they, but I think also you have, were you going to say something? Yeah. Also you, if you do find that man who wants exactly that same thing and you're not actually seeing the full picture that I guarantee, you know, then, then you're going to have a rude awakening when you actually, if you do end up with that kind of energy in a marriage and then they're like, oh yeah, I expected you to be a housewife. What did you expect? Or I, you know, I expected to be managing this and controlling this and I expected you to do this. And like, you're not actually showing up as like real humans. You're just playing the parts of the things that you want. Yeah, exactly. So there's that ulterior motive, right? And so you, you, you didn't then meet people who it's okay. So it's like this, when I was a photographer, I see this now sometimes rarely, but when I was a photographer, um, it would always be my cheapest clients who would be the hardest to work with. Yup. And I was like, what the hell is that? And I learned very quickly that when people don't value what it is that you do, they want more for nothing. Cause it went back to my, my photographer days where I was like, man, I put out so much for free, but here I am giving stuff away. And someone goes, that's not enough. I need more from you. And that's the, and, and this is the example. I, the reason I say this is because not to put somebody on front street, but to say that when we value things, we're willing to pay for them. And, and this kind of segues into my next question about investment. Because when we are in a place of desperation and scarcity, and we're in a place where we think I don't have enough, or I need, you know, like we, we don't position ourselves energetically to, to show up for those opportunities. I heard you talking about somebody who is, was complaining about not having enough money and then not showing up for their shifts to go to work. Yeah. And I've seen this firsthand. I know people like this, like they're so bogged down with the lack of money that they have, that they start exhibiting behaviors that tend to perpetuate their status of money. Now I know that they're extenuating circumstances and there everybody like, is not, it's not the same case, but in a lot of cases we could say, and I've seen this even in myself that when we're, we are feeling unworthy when we are in a position of, you know, obviously scarcity or uh, guilt, shame, any of those things that you had mentioned, if we're operating from places of wounding, then we often money will like our money situation will often reflect exactly mirroring exactly what it is that we are lacking in our personal relationships. 100%. When we're in that place of scarcity of like, I'm not good enough. I'm unworthy. All of that, that jargon that's unconsciously imprinted in our mind. We are behaving that way. Yeah. And we are bringing that energy into the world. And so, yeah, I I can't tell you that you're going to have a million dollars overnight. Like it's just not going to happen, but I can tell you that if you keep showing up with grace and you keep showing up 
and doing the work and uh, being aware of your behaviors and being aware of your thought patterns that things will shift for you. Like that is just undeniable. Like that's a hundred percent going to happen. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about investment. Oh yeah. Cause I, I don't play with the stock market. Um, I want to, but I, I hate gambling. I hate losing money. That's what I hate really. Um, but, and also I'm in a position where I'm like, I have debt. I'm not putting anything into any markets that are unstable at the moment. Um, but I know people who play with the market and do very well. Mm-hmm. This is not necessarily my question about investment. My, my, more of my question is, is the investment of self, like taking time to make sure to invest in yourself. And sometimes that can be as little as $3 a month. Sometimes it's as little as, you know, like, uh, you know, like you, you want to take a course that you need to learn or, you know, something, something that benefits you towards your own healing, your own development to help you with, like you said, that relationship with self in order to up, up your money. What is your position? Or if you have any tips about what does it look like to financially invest in oneself? Yeah, it, it, I have so many thoughts. Well, <laughs> I, the first one, um, I'd love to just like, cause this is, this we're talking spiritual shit, like oh, kind yeah. of like the arc of my journey with that, like in terms of being my own business owner mm-hmm. and charging. Yes. And I, I, um, I remember my, my, my best friend who's like been through all of this with me of like holding my hand when I called the first debt collector and all of this. And she goes, AJ, do you feel uncomfortable charging people what you charge? Like uh, it, my course is not cheap. And she's like, do you feel uncomfortable? And it was half the price it was now. And I was like, no, not even a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But some people are like in debt, you know, and like, that's why they're coming to you. And I was like, it's, if they're willing to do the work, it is the best investment they can ever make in themselves. It is worth every penny. I got off the phone with a client today. She literally, she literally was like, AJ, this was worth $3,000 more from this one call with you. I've never, no client has ever said that to me before. That was like just today. I was like, Oh my God, it was a really good session, but I was like, wow. And, and I know that it is a hundred percent, every penny. I truly believe that every penny that someone invests in getting their working with me and getting their finances number, they're going to get 175% of me, if not more. And if they're willing to show up and do the work, they're going, the return on that investment is for the rest of their life. Yeah. Because money is every day. Mm-hmm. Now, do I feel like every single investment in yourself is worth it? I don't. I don't, I, you know, I had, I had someone reach out to me and they're like, I'm really interested in your course. I'm horrible with money. I'm, I'm, I'm a mess. And I'm like, let's do it. And they're like, well, I just invested $4,000 in a transformational course. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. What does a trip? It was called transformational course. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll see you in six months. (laughs) You know, I, I think, I think so one more example is when I, um, when I was a full-time yoga instructor, I loved teaching yoga. I loved it. It, I taught over 5,000 hours of yoga. I, I really felt like this was my life's purpose and I was so broke and I was teaching upper older 
upper middle-class white people about abundance and forgiveness and surrender and letting go and trusting the universe. And I had, I couldn't pay my rent through teaching yoga. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking if I just do another training, I will become like, I'll make, I guess I'll somehow this will net positive and I will, I, I won't and just gain new skills, but I'll make more money somehow. Mm -hmm. And the training was like $5,000. And I was like, how long would it take me to pay off this training with yoga? And I was like, it is not worth it. This is not scalable, (laughs) not scalable. There's no ROI. There's no direct ROI. And I realized then about investment that like it, there's a, there is a difference between an investment in self. If I could have afforded the $5,000 training, cool, go do it. Like if that's within my means, if that's not affecting my short-term savings of owning a second home, of having children, of getting a second car and my long-term savings of retirement, sending my kids to college. If that's, if that $5,000 is groovy, like go for it. If, but if you're expecting that $5,000 to like actually make you more money, that's where there's like that discrepancy. So I don't think I like fully answered your question from a linear way, but just from different buckets. We got there. Yeah. What I think is interesting though, that you brought up is charging what you're worth. And I think that this is for a lot of people who are business owners. Um, you know, this is some, especially those who are business owners in this field, spiritual things, wellness, or whatever we feel very much. So that we are, it's our responsibility to make sure that whatever it is that we have to offer is accessible to everyone. And I heard on TikTok or whatever it is, poor spiritual hygiene to have everyone have access to you. And I thought brilliant because yes, there's a part of me that very much so wants to be able to help. And I'm sure many other people want to do the same and you do as well, but it is poor spiritual hygiene to let everyone have access to you. And when I started to love it, like when I started thinking about that, I was like, that makes a hundred percent sense. I had some, you know, kind of apprehensions. What the example actually mentioned earlier about putting solo episodes behind a paywall. Cause I thought, uh, you know, like everybody should get the message from the spirit and from, you know, whatever I think I'm, I am doing here. And I, I had to sit down with myself and go, you know, I put out so much for free, so much for free. And I'm, and in some way hoping that the universe will just karmically bless me with that. And I won't have to actually put in a boundary or ask for something in return and an energetic exchange for what it is that I'm doing. And a lot of people have a lot of discomfort with that because of their relationship with themselves, which ergo, i.e. ends up the relationship with money. Mm -hmm. And at some point, I think I'm thankful that I had a photography career before this because it taught me very, very closely about you set your price for what you believe you're, you're worth. And at some point I was charging 10 grand for weddings. And like, I was like, yo, this is, this is the minimum I get out of bed for, you know, like, not like that, <laughs> but I, I remember that I started to, I almost like, uh, it was a certain like weird gap that once I passed the $5,000 threshold, it was so easy to book people because they were like, we see your work. We see what you're charging. You must know what you're doing. Here you go. And that's a whole different tier of people, obviously. But then there are the same people who go, well, wait a minute. Like you, you know, help me out. Let me do this. Let me do that. And then a certain 
certain cases I would do that, you know, but there would be this, you know, at, at the beginning, this guilt, like, oh, I feel bad. Like this person can't afford me. What can I do to make sure that I'm accessible to them? Yeah. And, and, and access is very important in, in certain ways, like access to information, education, those kinds of things, but access to a person for service that is optional is not. Wow. I love that to a service that is optional. Like, and I always say this, like you can find everything that I'm teaching online. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yoga meets mindfulness meets Buddhism meets strategic financial planning. You can find all of that online. Mm -hmm. You're paying because I have the skills that you haven't figured out yet. And I can give it to you so you can bypass all of the suffering that I experienced. So you don't have to do that. Right. It's a, it's a, a direct path, um, which is so beautiful. So I hope that people are listening to this, you know, at least for, for yourself to understand and know that like there, if oh, let me back up because where, where we charge from comes typically from what our expenses are or, or it should, we should look at our month to month expenses, which is even more important. Why? we should be looking at what it is that we're spending because if we want to live a certain way or if exactly. we have to pay certain expenses every month if we are especially if we have you know Debt. a choice about what it is that we need to to charge in order to pay off certain things then we need to charge a certain fee and so if that fee is not helping your situation helping you get out of that circumstance then you know i, I always knew that from my beginnings that like i always had a fear if i charge too much and I won't get any business. Right. And I saw very quickly that that was a lie over a couple of years that like, mm, it's me charging too little that cause it actually takes up more of my time. So I have less to, to do overall. Like I have less of uh, what I would like to make overall as far as expandability. So what would you tell people who are looking to, you know, essentially expand their wealth? grow. Like, I mean, some people are at a fixed rate at their job or fixed salary. If they are loving their job and they're loving what it is that they're doing. And they're trying to be in a space of like, I don't want to quit my job, but I, I really need to make more money. What do they do? Yeah. Great question. So if you love your job, you don't want to quit your job, but you need to make more money. The first thing you should be doing is setting up a quarterly or semi-annual review with your boss and you should be coming prepared to do your market research and find out what your be what like is the average rate of your job in your industry two you should be prepared to show all of the metrics of how you have helped the business grow now if you work in a position where you can show like financial metrics do that like sale metrics things like that. If you don't do anything involving like exact, like if you're a copy editor, you know, and you can't, you don't have that kind of direct ROI showing them the content you've created and also explaining like, this was the job description. These are the things that I have taken on. So we either need to like hire somebody to do my old job so I can move into this next position, or we need to restructure this because I'm not actually doing my job. I'm doing 15 other things. Right. So advocating for yourself. I say this all the time. Nobody is going to advocate for you. It's one in a million where you find a manager who's like, I'm making you more money. I believe in you. Like, let's go. Because the truth is, and from being a manager, it sucks hiring. So if someone's really good at your job, oh, you just pray every day that they stay. Mm -hmm. 
as they are. Mm -hmm. And that's just because hiring sucks and it takes six months for someone to be onboarded realistically. And so they want to keep you as you are. So you have to be the one to say, I want more. Mm -hmm. And if that all works out and great, and it usually does because most people are underpaid, then if you have space and it doesn't like interfere so much with your workability and your lifestyle, you know, finding a second job in something that you actually enjoy doing. So I think, oh my God, I have the, one of my favorite examples. So I had this client and she's like kind of a leader in her community and she's very inspiring. Like she'll write a post and like 300 people will like it. And she doesn't have a huge following. She's just very influential. And I said, and she's in the fitness she works full time and she has like a fitness background. And I'm like, why don't you take on some coaches, like some clients? Like you are clearly a leader. I, I guarantee you could coach people, especially on like wellness. She is, she's amazing. And so I was like, go do it. And she's like, uh, okay, sure. AJ, whatever. She hangs up with me. She goes and signs up for Lyft. And she's like, this is how I'm going to make my money. I'm going to do Lyft. Basically, she has a, the ho- most horrible first experience ever. The, she makes $3. She has to get the car cleaned because she's so grossed out from the person. Um, and then she puts it out into the universe. She doesn't even write it out. She doesn't even write a post. People reached out to her and said, are you, are you doing coaching? Five people. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So find things that you're good at. Find things that you enjoy doing. It could be virtual assistant. It could be cleaning. I have a, I have a client who cleans people's homes because her job is so like a mentally demanding that she likes going into other people's homes and organizing their stuff. Mm -hmm. I got a friend like that. And I'm like, that is not my strong suit. I I like my own home, but like going into somebody else's mess, the fuck not like, (laughs) but that's a special skill, you know, amazing skill. And everybody has them and everybody has this amazing ability to like harness what they like doing and what they enjoy doing and to charge for it. And that could just be, you know, I had, I had a, an old, when I was a manager, she had a very isolating job and she was extremely extroverted. So on the weekends she worked and at night she worked at the yoga studio because she wanted social interaction and it wasn't like a high pay. Her job was really well-paying. This was just for fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everybody's got, got something like that. And I know that that's probably hard for a lot of people to hear because a lot of people will be like, why well, don't I have time? And I don't have this and I don't have that. Um, something, a really interesting example is someone I know who has a job that's, um, you know, kind of like more hourly and, um, they're really good at some spiritual services, but they won't use that as like a, a, a main deal. And I'm like, you could be making a lot more money than your hourly thing here. And, and they're like, yeah, but like, I don't know. And, you know, it's not really super interesting to me. And I'm like, you're so good at this. And I was like, I'm obviously don't push someone into something they're not interested in. Um, but I, like, I'm thinking like, if you're, you're these people who are super, super talented and all kinds of other things, but they have this imposter syndrome that sits in front of it and goes, oh, people don't want to pay for that. Or, um, if I do it, then, you know, like there's suddenly this pressure. I have uh, something called mystery school where, I've set up a community of people who are really interested in doing the, the mystical arts, if you will, and um, trying to learn. Like, it's not just about that, but there are some people who really want to do this as a business. And so I've set it up where they can practice with each other with no pressure, no money, no exchange, whatever, um, to gain their confidence in order to start so doing cool. that. Oh and so God. one of them, like um, not one of them, quite a few of them actually started taking on actual clients and they're so 
talented, but it was like, finally that they needed that validation of like, oh, I can do this. This is something sustainable. This is something that could be a full-time thing. I mean, look, look at my story. Like I was a photographer full-time, nothing scalable. I had always prayed and said, I want to have a job that I don't have to leave the house for like that. I could do remotely anywhere. Like, and, and for years I had thought about that. This is something I want. I love doing, doing the photography thing, but I was having to fly here and there and whatever. And I was super tired. And I was like, this is not sustainable if I want a family or, you know, other things. And so at some point when COVID hit, my photography job was gone. Right. And I was like, I can't meet with anybody or whatever, but what was I doing already? The side hustle of reading cards. Mm -hmm. And I started doing it full time and like that bought this house, you know, like it's, it's insane, you know? But I, ha- I had to kind of confront some of those own money mindsets, which um, I've done a couple podcasts on money before, but this, this idea, this strangled kind of like whatever I've inherited from basically my parents about money, you have to work hard for money. You have to, this, I was like, no, I want to wake up in the morning and see money is in my account, like either from bookings or people had bought services or whatever. And I started to, to, to research and dedicate time and go, this is something that I want in order to transform and change my life. So how would you, if you have a system of helping people understand what it looks like to, to reprogram themselves in a way that they can look at their goal and say, you know what, I would really like to have a life that looks like this, but get from where's the, the, to bridge the gap from, I really would like something like this from where I'm at right now. Yeah. I think it comes back to doing a little investigation on your past and seeing the things that have really worked well for you. So I have had now thousands of hours working with clients that have been really successful. So I have this belief that I'm really good working with clients on like a really superficial level. Like I give really good wedding speeches. So anybody (laughs) wants a wedding speech, I'm your gal. Um, Literally like people still come up to me and they're like, your vows were the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. And so I have a lot of confidence that like, even though I was super nervous at my friend's wedding last weekend, that I was going to deliver a good speech because I have that reinforcement. And so ultimately we use the past so often to, to affirm what we believe to be true about ourselves and about the world. I'm bad with money. I'm bad with math. Um, I got into debt. Therefore I'm going to get into debt again. But instead, if you can use the past, Like as simple as I've never been homeless. Like I've been kind of pseudo homeless, but I've never been homeless. I've always had a roof over my head. I've always had a job. I've always been able to find work. I've always had friends. I've always had this. And you start to like, like own that stuff that you already have. It becomes so much easier to like step into the unknown and step into new possibility like, I remember when I just decided, I was like, I have amazing real estate karma. I was just like, that's, I have amazing real estate karma. And it wasn't because I did. It was because I just, I was like, but I've never been homeless. I moved to Australia, $50 in my bank account. And this family took me in for five weeks. I slept on this kid's floor in his room for five weeks. I have great real estate karma. And then what happened? I manifested a luxury apartment building that I lived in rent-free for five months because I have amazing real estate karma. (laughs) What about people who are homeless? How do they, what do they, what do they hold on to? Oh God. I think about this all of the time and it, I can't wrap my head around it. I've talked to spiritual leaders and gurus and like mentors about homeless people. 
um, I'm like, I don't understand. I don't understand. And I, I, I have no, I still can't wrap my head around what had happened. Um, I, all I can say is I was reading, um, an amazing book called decolonizing wealth. Mm -hmm. and um, it's written by a Native American who actually works in venture capitalism and he was saying that it there is no word for um, homelessness in in Cherokee language it's um to be without family or friends Mm. and and I do think that a big part of homelessness is like our mental health crisis and our opioid and drug addiction crisis, but I, but, but there are people out there who have just lost everything. And, um, I threw I you a hard question. It is. And, and I feel very unequipped to answer it. And it makes me feel bad because I, because of the privilege that I have, but it is something that I don't, I don't have an answer for, but I, Hey, Hey, you know what? It's better to say, I don't know, than you know, try to like force something. What yeah. I what I think is interesting though, I, I always in my head hear questions that I think other people are going to ask um, when they're listening to this. And I, I tried to reconcile that question myself, you know, because we talk about um, manifestation and go, how, how does someone reconcile uh, an idea of something? How do they visualize something that they can't, if they've never seen it before? And it's to ask someone to come into a space of, you know, acknowledging it. Like, it's like, if you never, if, if you were someone who couldn't see, how do you explain what blue is? You know, it's the color of the sky. Okay. Well, and you know, like it, it's, it's the mix between the RGB, you know, like, I don't know, but it, yeah. it, it would be very difficult to describe that to someone. And so we both, you know, have the privilege of like, I had never been homeless before. And I know that like, and actually pseudo homeless, like you said, like I had been without an apartment at some point, but always had someone to stay with and always had connections with people to, to land somewhere on my feet. Um, but I do know people who have gone through that and had to live in their car and so on. And so, you know, like, obviously we can't account for everybody's experiences and what they've had to do in their life. But we, I do know that, um, mindset, if you are equipped with the proper mental capacity, obviously mindset does play a large role in that and the trauma that we experience and the access to therapy and so on, like obviously have a big, I have a huge family, huge. And there are some family members that I've, I've seen their life and I've seen what they've gone through. We have, we have parallel lives and I've gone and I, I didn't go down one route because I had parents that, you know, were able to tell me that I was worthy and that I could do anything. And, um, something I'm super thankful for is my parents always were like, you, you can do anything, you know, like they, they, they were, we were, we grew up so poor and like my dad who, you know, I think I'm pretty sure my dad is on the spectrum. And, um, you know, really, really good intention, man, really, you know, like gig jobs and stuff like that. We never had a lot, but he was very much always like, you can, you can do anything, anything is possible. That little thing, just that thing, even, even when it comes to scarcity and money for myself, like I was always like, you know, oh, I could try that. Oh, I can make that. Oh, I could do that or whatever. So mindset had a lot to do with, I believe how, where I am today. Um, some people don't have that. And, and in the same way, I loved your examples. A lot of our parents, not hopefully any of our parents are teaching us how to have sex, but we figured it out, you know? So I know that for a lot of people, and if you're listening now and you've gone through some circumstances that have been extraordinarily hard, obviously like we're not like rolling over that and invalidating those experiences. But at the end of the day, it is my belief that we've all come in with contracts 
and about what it is we're supposed to learn and how we're supposed to expand. And if that is the case, then there is always going to be some kind of hurdle, whether we look at someone else's life and go, my hurdle was harder than yours, equally to anybody, like in our own lane, it's going to be hard, whatever it is that we've had to go through. Some of us have been raped. Some of us have been homeless. Some of us have been without financial wealth. Some of us have, have insanely neglectful parents and abusive parents, even if we were super rich, like everybody's going through something. And so if you're able to come to some kind of reconciliation from our, our little conversation today is that at least energetically, financially, that you can look at things from a circumstance that says that you're not barred to stay there, that there's always a place that you can move from. So if, if there's anything you want to add to that? It was just something earlier that you said that I thought could be really helpful of like about the tools and like being ready and like being in the sound body and mind to be able to like move forward. I remember in 2012, um, when I had my spiritual awakening, I was so unequipped to have had it that I went into the most horrible depression after it. I was like literally reading minds. I was so intuitive with like everybody and everything in the whole world. And I no boundaries, <laughs> no boundaries, like completely opened up and I sunk into the worst depression I had ever had. And to still the worst depression I'd ever had for like over a year really took like two, three years to get out of it. And, and so I do think it is that like, it's that caring for yourself caring for yourself more than the thing, caring for yourself more than the other. Mm. You know, I was just talking to someone today, you first, everybody else second, even husband, wife, children, you first, because when you care for your own life, that's when things really start to shift. Mm -hmm. And and that is really the goal, right? Is that we care for ourselves as we care for our friend and family and for the world and the planet. Because if we care for ourselves, then all of that will get, we will better everything. Yeah. Being in our light, being empowered allows other people to be empowered. Mm -hmm. It doesn't dim anybody else's light. It lights up everybody else around you. That's a, that's really important to say. Actually, we're going to talk more about that over at Patreon. If you guys want to yeah. hear the rest of this conversation, go to patreon.com slash the lovely Aaliyah, because I think that that is, it, it's the, the airplane analogy where there's like, you know, put the, the thing over your face before you put everybody else's. Um, if you don't care about your own life, which is, you know, we, who knew we were going to go this route, right? <laughs> I know. But if you don't care about your own life, it's like, it, it makes it really hard for you to care from other, for other people in a, in a way capacity wise that, that is in, empowering for you that is uh, life-giving for you. In fact, it'll feel very draining. And that makes it very difficult then to, to expand into a level of abundance that, that people always you know, kind of talk about. So we'll get to that here in the next conversation. So if you wanna hear that, go to patreon.com slash lovely Aaliyah. Before we go, uh, tell people how they can find you and what course you have available. Amazing. Um, so you can find me at Beyond the Green Coaching on Instagram. You can also find me at www.beyondthegreencoaching.com. And we are actually uh, launching our next course that starts April 12th. It's called Heal Your Relationship with Money and Become Financially Free. You can join the waitlist now. There is a amazing bonus. We're offering one month of free coaching upon signing up before April 1st. 
So if you are interested, please reach out. We, um, we interview every single person who signs up because we want to make sure it's the perfect fit for you and the perfect fit for us. And that's how you can hang out with us. Very cool. Very cool. Um, that would be definitely worth the investment. I'm sure for a lot of people who are listening. So, um, we're going to go continue over at Patreon. And if you love this episode, please send it to someone you love and we will see you in the next one. hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with someone you love. And if you're interested in becoming a client for energy coaching or card readings, find me at thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do and to book your own session. And don't forget to add me on the lovely Leah on Instagram for daily content and inspiration and hang out with me on Patreon. As always, thank you for listening.